Thank you, Jamie, choir. Thank you for being over here in this place uh, today. Take your Bible, go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 8. And we're preaching through Acts during these summer and fall weeks. And so we come to chapter 8 today, and uh, you follow along in just a moment uh, as I read. Uh, gave you a little handout when you came in today. Put on your refrigerator, your desk, and you can hang on to that. Things to pray about, things to be involved in. Two weeks from today is Bring a Friend Day. And let me tell you, if you'll invite them, they'll come. I had two friends here this morning sitting up in the balcony. I'd invited them just practicing for Bring a Friend Day. They came by and gave me a thumbs up this morning. So uh, you plan to bring a friend and uh, make an invite. Uh, for that day. Also, you'll see some things on there uh, about the load the loft, and they'll be practicing on the tent. And if you'd like to get back in the choir, it's time for people to uh, jump back into things maybe they had uh, drifted away from. And so you find your place and uh, be right there. If you've never been, want to look at the choir, then uh, come on the tent and be a part of that. Many other things on that little handout that we had for you today. This morning, we come to look at the life of Philip. Now, this is not Philip the Apostle. There was an apostle named Philip of the Twelve. This is the servant, one of the seven that we looked at. Stephen was named first. The second servant or deacon uh, that we found uh, was Philip, and we find him in Acts chapter 8, and we're looking at him preaching today. Acts chapter 8, we began reading in verse 1. I'll read through verse number 8, skip to verse 12, and then to verse 35, and we'll be looking through this chapter together. So you find your place in Acts 8. I began reading in verse number 1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. We're talking about Stephen that we preached about last week, been stoned to death, and so Saul is standing there in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The twelve stayed in Jerusalem. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and put them in prison. Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Then you find the encounter with Simon the magician. Come down to verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. You go through that narrative about Simon, and we'll refer to it in a moment. Then he leaves and goes to Gaza. And the narrative picks up that he's preaching to an Ethiopian eunuch. And in verse number 35, after reading from Isaiah, we come to this verse. Then Philip opened his mouth. And began from this scripture, 
he preached Jesus to him. The gospel begins with two letters, G-O. We are to go with the gospel. We are not to keep it safe at home. We are to go with it. They have been scattered, and they are preaching. Philip is uh, preaching after Stephen's death. He is that second-named servant, and he preaches. Not only is he a servant and a preacher, in chapter 21 and verse number 8, we find him in Caesarea, and he's an evangelist living with his wife and four virgin daughters. We find him also with the gospel at his home, and we are to scatter the gospel from our house down the street and around the world. So Philip is this servant. He is a preacher. He is an evangelist. He preached to the crowds in verses 5 and 6, and there was great rejoicing at the many who were saved and delivered. He also preached to the counterfeit, Simon Magus, the magician. He had great power in his Samaritan city, but when Philip began to preach, the crowds turned from Simon the magician and came to Philip and found forgiveness of their sin. And Simon came, and the Bible said he also believed, and he was baptized, but he was a counterfeit, because when Peter got there and began to lay hands on people, and the Holy Spirit was given, Simon Magus stepped up and said, I'll give you money if you'll give me that power. He was an arrogant man. But to be up front, he, he didn't want to serve behind the scenes. He, he wanted to be out front. Get the power. And Peter, who had said to the lame man, silver and gold, have I none? <laughs> but such as I do have, I'll give to you. He looked at him and he said, you are filled with the gall of bitterness and the bondage of sin. Told him to repent and Simon wouldn't repent. He said, you pray for me. He was a counterfeit. I'm fearful there are many in our churches today, even though they said they have believed some that have even been through the baptismal waters as Simon was baptized, but they're playing a game. It's not real. They're a counterfeit. They don't know how to repent. They don't know how to love. They don't know how to share. Don't want to learn. It's all about them and power and money and position. Simon was a counterfeit, but Philip preached to him. He preached to the crowds. He preached to the counterfeit. Then he hooked himself up to a chariot. He preached to the chariot. He went down to the Gaza Road. So the busiest highway between Jerusalem and down to Egypt, leading back to Ethiopia. And here was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a man who had been sexually mutilated, could never have children. There he was, sitting in a chariot. He'd been up to Jerusalem. He was some kind of believer, but he didn't know in what. And he had been there, no doubt, had purchased a scroll of Isaiah. You know, you, you can find a Bible anywhere in our cult culture. You can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. That's not a bookstore. Certainly not a Christian bookstore. But you can find Bibles on every corner. Not so in the first century. Not only could you hardly find them, they were very expensive. Well, this was the man in charge of 
the queen of Ethiopia's treasury and he doubt was, no doubt was paid well and he had purchased a scroll and he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading from Isaiah 53 and you find it in verses 32 and 33 what he was reading from Isaiah 53 and Philip had asked him if he understood and he said, now how can I unless somebody tells me and there Philip preached Jesus unto him out of Isaiah 53 and that man believed on Christ, was baptized and went away rejoicing, not asking for something. He was not a counterfeit, he was the real deal. His life had been gloriously changed when the gospel came to him. So whether with the crowd or with the counterfeit or, or on the chariot, Philip is preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus. Let me tell you, church, our job is to preach Jesus. Our job is to preach Jesus. Our job is to proclaim Jesus. I'm going to say it till y'all say it. Our job is to proclaim Christ. It's all of us. Half of you still don't believe it. Your job and your job and your job and your job and your job. And your, if you're a believer in Christ, you are to be a proclaimer of Christ. You're supposed to tell the gospel. That's the business we're in. We do other things. We feed the hungry. We reach to the poor. We skip into some justice situations. We try to help. But I'm telling you, what we do, our primary first focus is we proclaim Jesus. And if we stop proclaiming Jesus, we are out of business. It's what we do. It's what Philip did. He is the template for sharing the gospel. So I want us to think on that for a few minutes this morning, and then I want to give a gospel invitation. There's people in this room today that have never received Christ as Lord and as Savior. There's someone here who's never been saved. If you were to die today, you'd go to hell because you're lost. But I'm telling you, I've got good news for you. The gospel is good news. That's what it literally means. And the good news is you can't save yourself, but Jesus will save you. He calls you to receive the gift of eternal life. The gospel, the gospel, that's the business that we are in. Let's talk about the gospel for just a few minutes. Let's just give an invitation. I'll stand there. You step out of your seat in that balcony around. Come down. Take me by the hand and say, Pastor, today I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Some did in the early service and said, I'm ready this day to give my heart and life unto Christ. The gospel. Three things about the gospel. First of all, I want you to understand the gospel is Jesus. The gospel's not Olive. The gospel is not a denomination. The gospel is not a Sunday school class. The gospel is a person. It is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. God became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. John 1, verse 29, the Bible says, And the next day he saw Jesus, this is John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And what does the Lamb of God, what's the person of Jesus do? He takes away the sin of the world. The only way for your sin to be dealt with is for the Lamb of God to take away your sin. In that verse that most all of us know in John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but he'll have what? 
everlasting life. If he believes in the pastor, no. If he believes in the church, no. If he believes in a denomination, no. If he believes what? In him, in the person of the Lord Jesus. That is the gospel. If, if you got your Bible, turn over in 1 Timothy. Oh, my soul, what a great, great passage. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires, what's it say? All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for who? All, all men, all women, all boys and girls, the testimony given at the proper time. He is the ransom paid. He paid it in full. Everything. You can't do anything for your salvation. Jesus has paid it all. And we sing that old song about that. That Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He is the ransom. He is the one mediator. There's not two. There's not three. There's but one. And then First John chapter 2 and verse number 2 may be my favorite verse in all the word of God about the gospel. For he himself is our propitiation for our sins. It's a great spitting word when you preach. Yes, he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. But not for ours only. No, 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 no but also for those of who? The whole world. Jesus died for the world, paid in full. Romans 3.23 speaks to us that all have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God, but He has given us the free gift of salvation. Dear friend, you can be forgiven of your sin today. Saul, the man that ravaged the church, going to preach about him next week in chapter 9. Saul, what happened to him? Forgiven? Hallelujah. When you come uh, to the fourth chapter of John, the Samaritan woman married, divorced six times at least, forgiven. Lydia in Acts 16, the seller of purple, God opened her heart. What happened? Forgiven. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, that army commander, what happened to him? He came to Christ, forgiven. If you'll come to Jesus today, I'm telling you, you are forgiven, 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 forgiven. Hallelujah. It is the free gift of God. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel is a person. The gospel is Jesus. Number two, not only is the gospel Jesus, the gospel calls for repentance. You hear the gospel, it calls for repentance. We hear the word of God say in John chapter 1 verse number 12, these are not my words. Jesus said, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even those who believe, those who believe in his name. John 5 and 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he hears my word and believes him who sent me. He has what? Eternal life. There's the good news. He does not come into judgment, but he's passed out of death into life. We'll get to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 in just a few weeks, and he's in the jail, and the place is shaken by the Spirit of God, and he comes running in and says, sirs, what must I do that I can be saved? In John 6, or in Acts 16, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your household. Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be, what's that word? Say it everybody out loud. Say, 
For the heart a person believes results in righteousness, and with his mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Oh, the gospel calls for repentance. And when you repent, then you're to go in those waters. But those waters don't save you. As that old country preacher used to say, you can be baptized in a pond. Do you know ever catfish by first name? And I'm here to tell you it won't save you. The water baptism is an outward expression of what's already transpired. God saved you. The thief on the cross, he was never baptized, but he walked into glory. See, baptism's not essential. If you have opportunity, you should do it. It's a command to be obedient to God. And some of you have never done that. You ought to walk here today and say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to trust Christ. I'm ready for baptism. There, there needs to be that expression. You, you must receive the free gift of God. He offers it to us. The gospel calls for repentance. Receive it. I'm going home and eat here in just a little while. I have two granddaughters. They're there. I have gifts for both of them today. They don't deserve it. They didn't buy it. But when I give it to them, they must take it or I'm going to keep it. God stands today opening your heart, drawing you, opening the heart of Lydia. He opens your heart today. Those who confess and believe, are you ready? Trust Him today. Trust Him. Come to faith in Christ. The gospel, the gospel is a person. The gospel calls for repentance. And the gospel, dear friend, is universal. It was to go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You see it all right here in this chapter. They're Jerusalem preaching. Then they are scattered to Judea, up to Samaria in the north, down from Jerusalem, and up north to the city and region of Samaria. And now uh, that Ethiopian eunuch is there on that busy highway, and, and Philip goes into the chariot, and he preaches to him, and he receives Christ, and it goes to the uttermost part of the earth. Our mission team is in Africa today. But they're not the first ones there. The first recorded missionary we have to Africa is the Ethiopian eunuch. That word Ethiopia speaks of a darkened skin, a blistered skin. Not like me. What darkened? He's into the continent of Africa taking the gospel. We are to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very uttermost part of the earth. Do you know sometimes it's easier to go to the uttermost part of the earth than it is to go to Judea and Samaria because the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. And you know, I'm telling you what, God's going to send you with the gospel to somebody that doesn't like you and probably to somebody you don't like. But we're supposed to be carriers of good news. So this week, My wife and I went out to dinner one night, and we went in, and as my custom is, this young lady came to the table, took our order, went away, and she brought the food back. They all asked, I guess this is in waiting tables 101, as they set the food down, is there anything else I can get you? Anything else you need? I said, yes, ma'am. I always said, there's one more thing I need. 
My wife and I are about to pray and give thanks for our food. How can the two of us pray for you? It's just an opening to maybe look at a way of sharing the gospel. And she paused and her head kind of dropped and her bottom lip quivered. And she said, I'm having a hard time financially, just working hard, a couple of jobs. And said, I appreciate you pray for my finances. I said, we'll do that. She said, can I pray with you? Rarely I have this happen. She reached over and got my wife one hand, got me by the other hand. And I bowed and I prayed and I asked the favor of God. Financial blessing to be on that girl. Well, you know what happened after that. You know. My wife kicked me under the table. She said, I don't know if you got that Holy Ghost nudge or not, but I'm telling you, we're going to help this girl right here, all right? So we enjoyed our meal, and we got done. She brought the check, and I paid and put it on my card. And then I called her back over, and I said, listen. Uh, I said, I, uh, I work for an elderly gentleman. Uh, he's the Ancient of Days, amen. And I said, and he blesses me from time to time, and he lets me bless other people. We just want to bless you a little bit today. And so I handed her that gospel tract with a $100 bill in it and gave it to her. And we got our stuff and went out. And uh, most of the time I do it on every time, but this time I did. I got outside, it was all glass. And so I turned back just, and she had gone to the back. And I could see her. And she finally, she fetched that out of her pocket. And I could see her weeping and then telling her friends uh, what some stranger had blessed her with. I don't know what she'll do with that. She may be sitting in this room right now. I don't have any idea. Your job, if you know Christ, is to tell somebody else about the gospel. You're to be kind, you're to love, but you got to get to the gospel. And that's why I keep that gospel track right here in my wallet, in, in my pocket. That I, I keep that, and I've got that, and I'm going to share it. Your best news that I've got to give. Sometimes I read through it with them. Other times I'm not able to. Sometimes I just leave it. But our job, we are supposed to send people. We are to go. We are to pray. We are to pray. We are to go. Listen to me. You live on a street. Some of you have lived on that street for 25 years and people don't even know you come to church here. You think they don't. They watched you leave to go somewhere this morning. And they know you're coming back because they've watched you day after day, year after year. Friend, it's time for you to go across the road and invite them to your church on the 14th of August to bring a friend there. You say, preacher, I don't even like them. Well, start liking them. <laughs> say, I don't love them. Start loving them. Say, I don't know what to say. There are tracks on all these racks out here. Get you one and go. Share what Jesus has done for you. Just let them know God loves them. Friend, you live on that street 25 years and you've never shared the gospel with anybody on your street. You'll give an account one day. Blood on your hands. Doesn't mean you'll be lost. I'm just telling you, you'll be responsible for the gospel that's been entrusted to you to give to another. Jesus does the saving. You don't. I can't even believe. He opens a heart. It's a mystery of how God does that, knows me for the foundation of the world. And yet at the same time, he tells me to go and tell. 
I have people all the time ask me about election. I've been arguing that for 50 years since the chapel and in the cafeteria at Southwestern Seminary. That's before we had Twitter. We used to just argue in the cafeteria. Now we tweet about it. Make everybody mad now. This I know. God loved the world and gave Jesus. This I know he saved me. This I know he told me to go tell others. This I know. He seems to save more when I tell the gospel than when I don't. The gospel's good news, and we are to give the gospel. So I'm going to challenge you today that you talk to somebody this week and, and talk to them about your Savior. You say you're saved, you're, you're a believer. I mean, wouldn't it be awful if, if you had it and you don't give it? You say, I'm scared. We're always scared. You say, well, what if I offend them, run them off? Where are you going to run them off to, hell number two? I mean, come on. There are times to be quiet, I grant you, but not 25 years' worth. Somewhere along there, God's going to prick your heart if you listen and give you an opportunity. I've been living where I am for 13 years now. I got a lady down the road I never spoke to, but I did this week. Finally found me a bridge to get across. Just I ain't even got all the way to the gospel yet, but, but I cracked it open. I'm telling you, if you'll ask God to use you, he'll wear you out. You just get up and say, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours today. He'll use you. Twenty-five years ago, 26 maybe now, we built this building. And we were moving in here and we needed a pulpit. And so I asked Jeff Bates, a finished carpenter to build this for me. There's a leather insert here. If you get a tube pried up, you find his signature underneath here. I buried him from this pulpit. He died way too early. Oh, wicked disease. He went to heaven because he knew Jesus. Jesus knew him. He knew him before the foundation of the world. So Jeff made this. And when we moved in here, we invited some special preachers to come. A few weeks, had this one and that one and another one and another one. And then I invited John Bramlett to come. John Bramlett from Memphis, Tennessee, played football at the University of Memphis and then played two years of Major League Baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals but really couldn't make it. And so he switched from baseball back to football. And John Bramlett signed with the Denver Broncos. He played for four teams while he was in the NFL for seven years. If you look his name up, if you Google it this afternoon, you'll find his track where it says he was called the meanest man in the NFL. Now, the reason he was called the meanest man in the NFL is because he loved to hurt people. Not just on the football field, but he hurt his wife, he hurt his kids, he hurt anybody around him, he hurt his fellow players. He was godless. He'd drink all night, carouse and womanize. 
play half drunk. He was a runner-up to Joe Namath as the most valuable player or the rookie of the year in the American Football League. Same year Namath came out. Then one day, two guys came by after Bramlett's NFL time was up. They called him Bull, Bull Bramlett. Came by and knocked on his door in Memphis and shared with him, Bull, God loves you. Bull, you're a sinner. He would have said, hey, I know that much. Jesus died for you. If you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, he'd save you. And something happened that night, and Bull Bramlett got gloriously saved. I went to Israel with him. He had his own track. Everywhere he'd go, he'd give those tracks out. Half the people there couldn't read them. They were in English. He didn't care. He was just sharing Jesus. He came priest right here. He wore a big old ring on his right hand. Boy, those lights would hit it and it'd just sparkle. I don't know what it was. He never won the Super Bowl, but he had a big ring. He'd preach. And then he smacked his pulpit. He hit it right there. Dust flew. He broke my pulpit. I'm sitting on the front row. He's preaching the gospel, and I'm down there mad. Is That's brand new. And I'm telling you, the, the dove of the Holy Ghost just... <laughs> there I was empty. I had to get right with God. No bull he preached. I've had several people come by, and they say, Preacher, I can fix that if you'd like me to. I've always left that hole right there. It's almost the size of a dime. And I leave it there for this reason. When I get ready to give the invitation, I often rub my hand across that rough spot and I say to myself, if God can save John Bull Bramlett, he can save anybody in this room or listening via internet, television, or radio. If he can save John Bramlett, if he can change Bull Bramlett, he can change anybody in this room. And that's just often a reminder that God takes the rough people of the world, changes them, use them for his glory. Now, Bull Bramlett gave an invitation different than anybody I ever seen. And I told him he couldn't do it when he came. I said, we don't have time. You, you can't do it. Here's the way Bull Bramlett gave the invitation. When he got finished preaching, then he just started walking. He'd just stop and say, are you saved? Are you saved, sir? Are you saved, man? Are you saved? He'd just go through the whole place till he found somebody that either stopped or didn't nod or didn't know. And then he sat down and lead them to Jesus. I said, Bull, we ain't got time for that today. I said, all these people are going to be here. And I mean, it was wall to wall. It was a grand opening. He said, I'll just walk a little bit. I said, all right. Oh, we had people saved that day. That's the way Bull did it. That's not the way I do it. It may not be the way you do it. But that was Bramblet's way. I was at Southern Baptist Convention 
I was walking out of the hotel in Anaheim, and a gentleman walked up to me, and he said, aren't you Ted Trailer?" And I said, I am. He said, I'm Bull Bramlett's son. He said, I think he preached for you. I said, preach, he broke my pulpit. <laughs> he said, what? He said, I never heard that. I made a picture of this hole, my hand by it, and I sent it to his son. We laughed and we laughed. I said, yeah, he broke my pulpit, but God healed some hearts that day. And I often thought as I got ready for this message today about the gospel and Jeff died, then Bull Bramlett died, and Jeff was there first. I got a feeling that Jeff welcomed him to glory. The carpenter said, let me introduce you to a carpenter that went to Calvary for both of us. He said, let's pray for my pastor because he's still mad at you, but he'll get here one day and he'll, he'll, he'll be forgiven. I said, Amen. Somehow glory was there, not because of Jeff being a good man or Bull being a godless man. They got there for one reason, because of the blood of the righteous man. You don't get there on your own. You get there because of Jesus, plus or minus nothing. He is the way, the truth, the life, and no man or woman goes to him but through Christ. He he paid it all. He's the only ticket. He said, Preacher, I don't deserve it. We've settled that. You don't. No one does. I I don't know if I can live up to it. You can't. You will not. But by the grace of God, He'd save you. It's called the gospel. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. God, and you just receive a gift. It's like being born again. The baby really doesn't have anything to do with it. And God, in a miracle, brings new life. And he'd do that for you today if you'd believe on his name. God stepped out of heaven, stepped onto earth, became flesh. You say, preacher, I don't understand. Nobody understands all that. You, you run into somebody that understands every bit of that, run from them. It's the mystery of God. But he's told us well enough for us to know we are lost. There's a ransom paid. We receive and we are changed for all eternity. Bull Bramlett was. Jeff Bates was. You can be. If you're at home listening to me today and you say, Preacher, I'd like to know more about that, send me a text. Just get out your phone and text me the word Jesus. Amen. What Owen? Just text the, the Lord's name, Jesus, to 850-50-850-50. Send Jesus. We'll reach back to you and help you. If you're in this room today and you need to know the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. Just come right here out of that balcony around. That You'd come. You'd come and say yes unto Christ. You're here today and ought to join this church. Then, then you come. And as you come, you'll encourage others to make their way here. Some of you just need to come fall in this altar and say, oh God, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm bringing my neighbor's name and pray over them this day. The gospel 
It's good news that is given unto us both to receive and to share. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's our job. And it all begins with gospel, gospel, gospel telling. We call them gospel conversations today. It's kind of in our vernacular. But dear friend, it's good news for you. Believe and receive him today and he will save you. Oh, what a savior. We can't do it. He does it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm so glad that somebody told me about it when I was a little boy. I'm so glad somebody came by and knocked on the door at our house in Michigan. My daddy found out. I'm so glad an old ignorant country preacher preached it hot and heavy one night. My granddaddy believed and came and said yes to Jesus. I don't understand how all that works. I just know there are sinners that need a gospel. And when the gospels proclaim, God reaches to us, draws us to himself as he did the Ethiopian eunuch and saves us. If you're here today and need him, after I pray, I want us to stand. When we stand, just stand up coming out of that balcony. It'll take you just a moment. Get over here, come down. I'll be glad to receive you. are not going to make you sing a song or quote a verse. We're just going to pray with you and help you today to know the Lord. And we will go and grow together. A child, you, come. Somebody here, just a little one, come. You're a teenager, come, come. Young adult or senior, come to Christ today. And say yes to the one who said yes to Calvary. Just for you. Father, save our friends today. Burden our heart with the gospel to take it. Lord, burden people to receive it today. Break us and mold us. Oh God, we, we don't have anything to give you. We just receive it. And thank you that you would forgive us. Come. Lord Jesus, and save and grow the church and make us one together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.